0: Hello, and welcome to An Unknown Adventure, podcast number 37. I am your host, Kimberly Ann, and today's podcast is with world traveler Jensen Keaton, who has done and seen more in his 24 years of life than most people I know. He is currently living in Europe and has been traveling since he was very young. His stories and experiences are amazing, and you will love them. So something weird happened with recording, and thankfully, I have his audio track, but mine disappeared completely, so I've had to add my questions back in, except that since I often ask questions on the fly, depending on what the other person is talking about, there were several that I could not recreate, because I had no idea what I asked. But I did the best I could, and you will love the interview regardless because of Jensen and his phenomenal experiences. And his audio is perfect. I am re-recording my update. So some of my very well-meaning friends pointed out a bunch of problems with my van and I completely freaked out and I went into fix-it mode, not to mention that I was really perturbed about the whole thing. I went to the hardware store where the guy working there told me a bunch of other things that I had to fix without ever looking at the van. And he also said something that I found quite upsetting. He said, this is what you signed up for. You should know that if you move into a van, you're going to have to work on it for the majority of every single day that you live in it. And 90% of your day is going to be spent working on your van. And I was just in shock when he said that I was just, I I didn't even, I couldn't even respond. I didn't even know what to say. So I (laughs) Fact of the matter is I know quite a few people at this point who live in vans and have for years and years and years, and they do not spend even a fraction of their day working on their vans. They spend time doing stuff like cooking and cleaning and living in the van. And, you know, a lot of things that I take for granted in my house are going to be more difficult in the van, of course, like laundry and cooking and cleaning. But they do not spend 90% of their day fixing up and working on their van. So I just really took offense to that. It made me realize this whole situation is that everyone's got an opinion and everybody wants to tell you about it. They want to tell you what their opinion is and why their way is the right way and your way is the wrong way. And I know that my friends were very well meaning. I don't know about the guy at the hardware store, but It just sounded like he was, I don't know, either jealous or that's my dog making making a little noise or I I don't know. I don't know. He just it was not cool. So today I took it to a professional van builder down the road to get a third opinion and he negated everything that my well-meaning friends and the knob at the hardware store said. So this pro builder was in awe of the job that my builders did. He said it was absolutely exceptional work. And there are still a couple of small things that I need to fix, but they're very minimal. Now, I have to mention how great a bunch of friends have been volunteering to help. And they came over to help me move and pack up and look at the van. And one of them helped me cut the new mattress after the last mattress debacle but he got heat stroke. So I finished cutting it on my own and it fits absolutely perfectly and it's super comfortable. So another friend laid on it yesterday with me and he said it was more comfortable than his own mattress at home. So a huge thank you to all the people who have helped. And also to my friend Atlas Fear, who drove me to the doctors the other day to get an x-ray on my ankle when I could not drive turns out it is a sprain and not a break. And that's my dog lying on my stomach. I'm breathing into the microphone and licking my face. So I am changing my usual mantra, which is it can always get worse because then it does. And instead I'm replacing it with my new mantra. It can always get better. And now onto the wonderful interview with Jensen Heaton.
1: My name is Jensen Heaton. I'm originally from Canada. I've been traveling since I was young. I was kicked out of my house at a very young age, about 14, lived with my grandparents for a couple of years. And then I, from there, I moved back to Canada at about 16, lived on my own, finished high school. And I was constantly moving from place to place. And eventually I started this journey that just became who I am. And so I started nomadic inscriptions while I was in China. It's my website, my brand, my company. It's the biggest part of me. Like it's become who I am. I was living with my grandparents for a couple of years. They were in Dover, Delaware. At 16, I was back and forth. I had to finish high school. And so I hopped between a couple of high schools, lived with several people, tried living with my parents again, didn't work out. And so I moved around a lot. And then when I finished school, I did my degree in audio engineering Then I ended up finding a job posting for teaching English as a foreign language in China and moved to Beijing. I was 19 at the time. Nomadic Inscriptions really started out as, due to how much I had moved around, I'd never really stayed in one place for very long, like one, two years maximum. When I was thinking of a name for the brand, Nomadic stuck out for me. While I was in China, I had to do visa runs to be able to go in and out of the country to be able to teach there. And one of those, I had some friends that I had met while I was living in the States who were from Mongolia and they were in college when I had met them. So I went and visited them in Mongolia and the inscriptions part came during that travel when I decided I wanted to get a tattoo from at least half of the countries I t- travel to that are significant to their country, their culture, and in as traditional a style as possible.
0: How many do you have?
1: Currently, I have, I want to say 11. A couple of those are integrated with each other. I have three from Canada that mean different things, four from China, and one from Mongolia, and one from the Czech Republic.
0: Oh, that's so cool. That's such a good idea. I got my last tattoo when I went to Germany from a German tattoo artist. Well, she's actually from the Ukraine, but she lives in Germany. And I went there specifically for the tattoo.
1: Send me the information because I lived in Germany all of last year. Munich.
0: How was it living in Germany?
1: There were its ups and downs. Corona. I was working there for the last year and a half. And then I switched from a working holiday to a work visa during that time.
0: How easy was that to do?
1: For Canadians, it's like the easiest place that's not Commonwealth.
0: And where exactly in Austria are you living now?
1: Moodling. So it's like... In the goethe it's the uh, bacon belt is what they call it of Vienna, which is this cluster of small towns that have grown to all be connected. So it's it's all around Vienna. I ended up coming to Europe because when I had come back from China to Canada, I had met a lady who was there as an au pair and we got married last year. Thank you. She is Austrian.
0: Oh, that's so cool. That's really great. And... How did you like China when you lived there?
1: I love the people, I love the country. I disagree with the politics, but teaching English is super rewarding. It's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. Unfortunately, I I had to leave early because two reasons. Right after I left, the company I was working for got raided by the Chinese government. So I just missed that. And the second was the place that I was working. I got shoehorned into working at this one location. And some of the teachers were very abusive with the children. And I just, I I couldn't, with my beliefs, I couldn't align myself with that. I was like, I've got to get out of here.
0: What ages were you teaching?
1: I had a couple of classes. One was two to three, one was three to four, and one was five to six.
0: Oh, those are great ages to teach.
1: Yeah, they learn fast. They absorb stuff like a sponge.
0: Did you ever teach adults too?
1: I had a couple of side jobs where I would go once a week and I would teach some adults. And yeah, most of my students, though, in adults were already like B1, B2 level. So it was a lot easier. It was just adding vocabulary.
0: Where did you get your TEFL certification?
1: I did my TEFL certification in Prague and I've had some one-on-one students. But after taking the TEFL certification in Prague, I spent some time in Austria, then Spent some time going around Germany and ended up in Munich, looked for a teaching job, got an offer for a teaching job. And we were in the process. And I was working at that time in a hotel. And then that December was when Corona started happening in China. And with my contacts in China, I knew it was a lot worse than the media was making it out to be. So I was like, I'm going to stick in this job because teaching right now, if this becomes a global
0: thing. And of course it did.
1: Yeah, it became a global thing. Beijing is a huge city. It takes three to, depending on what point to what point, it takes three to six hours to drive
0: across. Wow, that is crazy crazy. I never went to Beijing, only Shanghai and Guilin and Hangzhou.
1: Yeah, no, it's crazy. And so when I first got to the part of Beijing, Shunyi district, where I had started teaching, I had ended up going to the wrong apartment at first for where I was going to live and got to know the guy who was living in that apartment. And he actually was the first person who took me to get a SIM card.
0: Oh, that is so nice of him. It is not easy to get a SIM card. I actually had to also have a Chinese friend get one for me when I was in Hangzhou for a month. It is, yeah, not something you can do on your own.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: So, a weird tangent question How many places in the United States have you been and beyond, or lived, or both?
1: I've lived several places in the States. My grandparents moved a lot as well. And even when I was eight years old, they brought me down to the States when they were living in California and that was my first travel experience and so I've actually been to I believe 48 states through road trips and stuff with my grandparents I might be mistaken on that I haven't been to Hawaii I haven't been to Alaska those are the two I'm missing I've been to several provinces in Canada I've been to China Mongolia South Korea Austria Czech Republic Hungary Germany We're supposed to be going this summer to Switzerland and someone I worked with in Germany is from Croatia and he actually owns some rental places and a hostel in Croatia and I'm supposed to go there in a couple of months to help him out with some of that.
0: Oh, how fun. I have heard some amazing things about Croatia.
1: Yeah, I've heard really good things too. haven't been yet myself.
0: I haven't been yet either, but I hear they have a new digital nomad visa.
1: I'm skeptical about this visa. And the reason I'm skeptical about this visa is all the Croatians I know, they are very negative about their government. They're more aware of it than Chinese people are, but they say their government is very corrupt and do things for the money. So I don't know how valid that visa is. It's a country where I've been told, if you give enough money, you can easily get a passport.
0: Okay, I just looked it up. And it is not an actual digital nomad visa. It's a temporary residency visa. And I will include the information for that in the show notes.
1: It's a step in the right direction, because as more countries do it, there'll be more validity, like even as countries like Croatia that do it. And I believe some of the other Balkans and Baltic states also have more countries are going to start developing that
0: exciting things to look forward to. And what exactly is your website? Like, what can we find there?
1: So currently it is a blog. There's a bunch of things that I've been writing and rewriting. It's hard to write right now due to the whole pandemic thing. But the plan right now is continue writing, continue working on the blog and the website and expand into YouTube and TikTok and whatever else as it grows.
0: What do you write about? What do you cover there?
1: It's travel and
0: tattoos. Oh, how fun. Nomadic inscriptions.
1: Yeah. Like the biggest things, like I said earlier, I've never stayed in one place very long. I've always been very nomadic myself. Nomadic was a given. And then inscriptions is the tattoos. They're they're memories for me. They're significant to the cultures and the countries in a traditional style, as traditional as possible. I switch between doing my stories, my experiences in these places, and I try to give as many details as possible. I'm hoping that eventually, with enough stuff, I will compile it into a book. Recently, I posted a how to make money while you're traveling, how to save money while you're traveling, uh, seven ways that you can make everyday Earth Day because of the whole climate change that things going on. I'm working on a post about sustainable travel, itineraries for places, I try to stick to seven things or 11 things to do, see, visit when going to certain places. But the more I travel, the more I realize that there's a lot of places that suffer with over-tourism. Yeah, I want to see all the touristic places because they're awesome. But at the same time, I also want to push for those undiscovered places. See more of the country, get more of the culture. I don't fly anywhere in Europe. Everything is commutable by train here. So... Anywhere that I can excuse not going by flight, I won't.
0: What if it's super far, like from Portugal to Germany?
1: Yeah, even if it's super far, say you're on a train for three days, which it's unlikely you're going to find a train for three days, but you see a lot more of the country on your way there. You meet interesting people while you're on the train. You can get a lot done. You can work on stuff. You can read. You can listen to podcasts, watch videos. stop in Spain, stop in France, stop in Switzerland. Germany. And the awesome thing is, I, I, I can't speak for the other countries, but the majority of trains here in Austria, electric powered.
0: Wow, that's really impressive and forward-thinking. Do you have a favorite country?
1: That's, that's so hard to answer, because each place you go, you, you find that each destination that you prefer, but trying to list those is almost impossible. There's so much to see, so much to do. And my experience might be different than your experience. If I say my favorite place to go was Hallstatt in Austria, I went at a time during Corona where there wasn't a lot of people. However, it's one of the most toured places by Asian population. So if you go in a couple of years and tourism is full force again, it might be way too crowded for you. So that's a hard thing to say.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Good points. And what about your friends back home? Do you stay in contact with them?
1: To an extent, yeah. Like, I talk to them almost on a weekly basis, and I have a lot of friends back in Canada. I find, especially now with the whole corona, I'm not able to work right now, and the whole visa process for Austria is an absolute nightmare. I haven't been able to sleep recently, so I find my time lines up with my North American friends a lot.
0: What do people say about your unconventional travel and about you living overseas? People
1: who knew me when I was younger aren't surprised. My mother is still worried every new country I go to that I'm going to die there. My grandparents aren't surprised and they encourage that I'm actually helping my grandmother build a website as well. And then the people who didn't know me that long are in complete disbelief. They either don't believe that I've done all these things or they don't believe how old I am.
0: Well, you are pretty young to have done everything that you've done so far, which is awesome. I'm young, yeah. How old are you exactly? 24. Wow, I bet you can't wait to see what the next 24 years are going to hold for you. And was traveling always your dream?
1: I found as I grew older, my dream changed. And I didn't even realize really what the full extent of my dream was until I hit about 18, 19, 20. When I was younger, it was very music-oriented. I wrote music. And so I thought musician, then audio engineer. And then the more I traveled, the more I realized that that was my dream, like traveling. And so it first extended into, I want to visit every country in the world. Then it migrated into, I want to get at least tattoos from at least half of those countries. And then that's migrated now into wherever I go, I want to leave an impact and I want to be able to help people.
0: Ooh, that's a good dream. Very worthwhile.
1: Yeah, (laughs) thanks.
0: And how are you doing that?
1: Right now, it's small scale. I haven't figured out a lot of ways to do it. I haven't been to a lot of places where they need help in a large manner. But currently, like with the Croatia thing, my friend who I worked with in Germany, he owns a hostel. And so I'm going to help him out as much as I can. But long-term, I'm thinking like, building houses or building schools, libraries in Africa, South America, help with reforestation, stuff like that. I'm not absolutely sure at this point in time what that's going to look like.
0: That's fantastic. That is so great that you're doing that. And while you're traveling, you get to travel as a Canadian and people love Canadians.
1: Canadians generally have a good rap, but when it comes to travelers, there's been something that I've noticed and got told that this was happening. A lot of Americans will use the Canadian flag on their backpack and stuff. And so they'll pose as Canadian, which
0: Oh, not cool.
1: Yeah. And then so if they're rude, if they don't give a shit, they ruin the Canadian reputation. And it's it's unfortunate, but overall, Canadian reputation's good. My thought process is more, if you can change one person's life for the better, chances are that they will pass it forward. My experience is that this, a lot of people don't like Americans. And, and given some of the things that have happened in the past, I don't blame them. But how I originally found out that there was this one guy who was being a, a right dick. He was being a complete asshole. And like, he had the Canadian flag. And I walked up to him and I'm like, oh, hey, what's up? Not much. Where are you from? Oh, I'm from Canada. Because as soon as you say you're from Canada, because the accents are so similar, European people's demeanor changes towards you. They get a lot friendlier. They get a lot more welcoming. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm from Alberta. Whereabouts are you from? And he's, oh, I'm from Vancouver. I was like, oh, yeah, I've been there a few times. I I really like Langley and Richmond. And his story fell apart so quick. I was like, "Okay, where in America are you from? How'd you know? Because you're being a complete dick and you don't know enough about Canada to pull it off.
0: And what about the Canadian accent? Like, can people tell where you're from by your accent? Or could you tell that this guy was not from Canada because of the way he did or didn't pronounce out, for example?
1: Yeah, that's more Eastern Canada. Like America, we have a lot of different dialects. Because I've lived a little bit of everywhere, most people can't tell where I'm from. A lot of my accent has slipped away.
0: And you speak other languages, right?
1: Yeah, I speak a bit of German. I speak a bit of Chinese. So, like, it, it all just meshes
0: together. Wow. I had to learn some Chinese. That is not an easy language.
1: See, I would say that the speaking is just as difficult as any other language. The grammar is easy, it's the easiest grammar I've ever experienced. It's the reading and writing that's difficult. So, I, I had actually done Chinese immersion when I was really young. Grade one and two, I was in Chinese immersion. So I had some basis. And then when I went to Beijing, they have the northern accent, which they add R's to a lot of words. When you ask if something can be made cheaper, you say, but in Beijing area, you say and and they add R's to a lot of things.
0: What are some of your challenges about living abroad?
1: Money. Money is always a challenge, especially right now. Other than that, like, anything else is manageable visas can be a nightmare getting a visa before you go somewhere or on a border can always be a nightmare when i went to mongolia for example on the plane an american guy who had been living in mongolia for several years was like yeah you need a visa to be here but online it said i didn't turns out americans need a visa canadians get a 30-day visa on entry but because of the accent, they'll still give you a hard time
0: what are you doing for work
1: now I was working in a hotel for a while that has stopped. And my wife is about to finish school here in June. And then we're basically right now living off savings.
0: Oh, what's she getting her degree in?
1: Social pedagogy. What's that? I have no clue. Every time every time she explains it, it sounds like social work, but she denies that it's social work. So I've stopped trying to figure it out.
0: And do you have plans for after she graduates?
1: So it, it's all in discussion. One of the one of the issues right now is we don't know what's going to happen with travel over the next little while. Currently, like, I, I'm concerned about going to Croatia just because getting back is s- supposedly a nightmare right now. I'm actually supposed to go to Germany, but I might be telling them I can't make it because I don't know if I can get back in without my visa, which... We had an appointment for, but then another lockdown happened. And so now we're, what's going on? Like I said, visas are nightmares. But yeah, the plan in the long run with the brand Nomadic Inscription and a couple of other brands that I have flourishing in my mind that link to Nomadic Inscriptions, that we'll be able to make money from
0: that and just continuously travel. What advice would you give to other people who really want to travel, but don't think that they can?
1: Well, One thing that people say that bothers me, I don't have time to travel, I don't have money to travel, I don't have this, that, the other thing. If it's important to you, you can always make time, you can always do it. There's ways to travel, like you go to Skyscanner, you search for everywhere, any date, or pick a date everywhere, and there's some flights as cheap as $20. There's ways to make it. Go out of your comfort zone, stay in a hostel. Yeah, you're gonna be sleeping in a room with other people, Chances are you're going to be fine. You're not going to get kidnapped. You're not going to get killed. Just do it. Stop making excuses. Save up the money. Go in between jobs. Take some time off. It doesn't matter if you're young, if you're old. There's always ways to make it happen. And one thing that I'm running into right now, because I'm planning future trips. So a lot of people consider a lot of places very dangerous. And yeah, there's a lot of places that are dangerous. For example, Afghanistan is one of the most dangerous places in the world. There's a lot of war there. Yes, the U.S. is currently moving out, but there's still a lot of war going on. The Taliban controls about 60% of the country, but there are still safe places. And I'm talking to a few of my Afghani friends about going there with them. The only reason to go with someone who's from there is they know or know people who know where the safe and the non-safe areas are, where to go. But it's the same thing as going to the states. Like you go to New York 20 years ago, you weren't going to go into Brooklyn. You don't go into Brooklyn at night.
0: Yeah, that's totally changed now.
1: Yeah, yeah. now it's been changed. But you wouldn't do that 20 years ago, but you wouldn't know that if you weren't from the area. It's the same with any place. Like, places are only as dangerous as other places. You just got to get advice, got to know what you're doing, do some research. Yeah, and so it's weird to me that, especially Canadians and Americans, they're fine going to America, they're fine going to Mexico, but as soon as you bring up some other place in the world, they're like, oh, no, that's dangerous. Like, my mother tried convincing me before I left for China not to go because my organs would be harvested. Yeah.
0: If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your 10-year-old self?
1: Buy Bitcoin. Oh, I mean, look at it now. Save more money. Don't expect everything to go the way that you think it is because it never does. Just be more adaptable and... Don't hold on to things so much. It's not worth it.
0: Because you've moved around so much, how did you decide what to give away and what to keep?
1: There's certain things like this set of Lord of the Rings trilogy that I got from my grandpa when I was young that I would never give up, but most things are replaceable. Learn travel hack. As North Americans, travel hacking is such an easy way to travel. Europeans don't get this. There's no system to set up here. Even Canadians can travel hack relatively easily.
0: This has been amazing, Johnson. Where can people find you?
1: Find me on Twitter, Nomadic ins- Inscripts, I believe. Nomadic Inscriptions on Instagram. I'm just starting Nomadic Inscriptions on YouTube. Nomadic Inscriptions on TikTok and the website Nomadic Inscriptions. And on Facebook. Facebook too.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you all for listening. I also want to thank Lucy Meisler for the new music, which she made specifically for AUA. There's a link to her SoundCloud in the show notes. Thank you, Lucy. I love your music. And if you guys liked what you heard today, please subscribe, leave a five-star rating or review, share it with a friend who would find value from this episode any of the above, none of the above, just thank you for being here. I also have a YouTube channel, which I link in the show notes, or you can go to the website and unknownadventure.com to find links to the show notes, the blog, the Instagram, YouTube, all that good stuff. And yes, I did just say the Instagram. My goal is to encourage you to achieve your dreams no matter how old you are, 18, 40, 60, whatever. I'm 55. If you have any questions, please DM me on Instagram at adventure. And remember to keep dreaming big because your adventure awaits and I would love to hear about it. Thank you so much and have a great day.